I'm Christina Papanikolopoulou. I'm um, a lawyer with uh, Zepos and Yanopoulos. We're uh, um, a Greek law firm based in Athens. We're going to be talking about Greek debt today. Um, I have with me uh, a very distinguished uh, uh, panel, Mr. Uh, uh, Antonios Kerastaris, who's the group CEO for Interlot, um, Vasilios Kotiras, uh, who's the head of funding solution and structure finance at National Bank of Greece, um, Guy Morgan, uh, who's the managing, direct managing director, EMA head of liability management at Goldman Sachs, uh, Mr. Philip Brown, Managing Director, uh, Public Sector Fixed Income Origination at City, and uh, uh, last but not least, uh, Henrik Johnson, who is the Managing Director and Co-Head of Global Syndicate and Debt Capital Markets for Deutsche Bank. Um, unfortunately, uh, uh, Julia Barata of BMP will not be able to join us because the weather is bad in London, as we all know. So. Um, Greek debt, um, 2017 was a very good year, both for the sovereign debt, we had the first bond issue uh, since 2014, and then we had banks and corporates uh, bond issuances of approximately uh, three billion. Um, so we're here to discuss why was this year so successful and uh, what are the prospects for the future. And if I may, I'll turn to uh, and, and we'll start with the issuer side. And Mr. Kerastais, if I can start with you. Um, in September, Intralot issued a 500 million uh, euro uh, bond, uh, which was oversubscribed three times. So what contributed to this success and, and, this, uh, uh, um, uh, what, what, and what are the prospects uh, um, for, for, uh, for next issuances. Also, some other Greek corporates uh, opted for the domestic market. Um, why do you think that happened and why did Intralot continue with, with international markets? Uh, good morning, everybody. Thanks for having us. Um, 2017 was indeed <clears throat> a very good year for the markets. Uh, the yields were down. I think that our execution in September was successful, not just because it was oversubscribed three times, but because of the size and mainly of the duration. Now, a seven-year uh, bond for, for a Greek issuer uh, is, is a new thing. So uh, it was not just, just the size uh, or, or the, the coupon, uh, but I think it's also the duration that gives a very clear signal that something in the market is changing about how they see Greek assets. Now, is Intralot a Greek asset? Not really, but it's Greek-based. So, you know, we've been, we've been having all the downside of being uh, uh, considered a Greek issuer, although our business is 97% is, um, outside of our home country. Uh, now, in terms of whether you go to the, to the markets outside Greece or the Greek bond market, for us, it was, it was a very clear decision. Um, there, is, there, uh, there were a number of Greek issuers that, that uh, um, were relatively successful in, in the Greek market, but I think that the overall size of the Greek market uh, is small for, for uh, a bond of, of half a billion. Uh, so even, even if you do manage to issue uh, uh, the first time, uh, I think it's going to be a challenge to refinance uh, 
products like that, and that is why we clearly took a stand uh, to, to go to the euro markets and the international markets for our bonds. So I think that looking forward, yields are going to be better for Greek issuers. I think the market has come to understand our business and the market has come to understand that the risks associated with Greek issuers are, are less today than they were a couple of years uh, back. And I think that, that if the markets continue to be strong, 2008 even, may even be a better year for Greek issuers than 17. Okay, thank you. And, and Vasilia, uh, uh, turning to you, covered bonds, uh, uh, NBG uh, issued uh, um, covered bonds this year, along with the rest of the systemic banks. Again, oversubscribed, quite successful. Uh, what does that signal for, for a Greek bank, uh, bank set? Thanks, Christina. First of all, uh, by default, to, to discuss in this panel about Greek uh, banks' uh, bonds, it is uh, definitely a sign of progress of the Greek uh, financing uh, sector. Uh, we should not forget that it was only two years ago that uh, the Greek banks proceeded to a liability management exercise which led to an equity, debt to equity swap for the share capital increases of 2015. Back then, we set up a strategy that it would lead the bank again to the establishment of the debt capital market. We decided to opt for the Irish example, as we call it, that it was followed by the Irish banks in 2012, where they first started with uh, managing their collaterals, uh, engaging to interbanking repo transactions, and then gradually proceeding to secure debt uh, transactions. Mm -hmm. In 2016, we concluded the first uh, Greek SME securitization, which was placed to IFIs, and we named it Synepia. Synepia means, it's not easy to translate it in uh, English, but it is actually reliability and consistency. And this is the virtues that the Greek banks should share. As for the debt investors, these are the principles in order to gain, to trust you again. So, coming in 2017 and managing to reaccess the markets with uh, the cover bond uh, transaction, it was proved that it was, there is a significant demand for international investors for Greek secured debt. It has, they have met all their objectives by expanding our investor base, not only to UK or US investors, but also to other regions of Europe like Germany and Italy. The, the cost was the cost efficiency compared to other debt instruments, the ELA disengagement efforts, and of course, what it is, was very important for us, the solid secondary market performance. Mm -hmm. But how to move forward, it is not as uh, easy, and definitely nothing has really changed to where we were standing till one year ago. Exiting the ELA will bring the Greek banks in front of other challenges, and those challenges will be LCR, NSFR, MREL requirements. And all these, they need again to be strategically planned because exiting from the, probably the government transaction was only the 
last action of the ones designed to exit ELA by the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, but it was only the first one to establish our position to the debt capital markets. Right, okay. Thank you very much, Vasily. Um, Herrick, from, from the investor's perspective, uh, uh, both corporate issuers, Greek corporate issuers and, and Greek banks, how do you think they are perceived and, and how do they compare with other um, um, European issuers, you know, non-core non European issuers like Italian ones? Sure, thank you. And um, maybe I should start with, uh, even though with, with a name like uh, Henrik, it's not obvious that I have a Greek connection, but I was actually born in Athens. I didn't so know that. Um, I always enjoy uh, when I have a chance to interact with uh, Greek uh, issuers and, and people in general. Um, so I think to answer your question, uh, you know, it, it's great to hear the, the uh, issuer perspective on this panel because I think everyone is, is pretty much focused on, on doing the right thing. Um, you now, from an investor perspective, there, there's a, a relatively simple equation, which is that primary supply begets demand. So uh, when you see uh, issuers, you know, starting with, with the sovereign and then very highly rated corporates with, um, with a, a lot of assets outside of Greece accessing the market, and those transactions being very successful from a primary perspective, um, you know, that in, in turn generates more interest. And I think the, uh, the sort of the trajectory that Greece is on now is, is actually very sim similar to some of the things that we saw from, from Ireland earlier, um, you know, Portugal or, or Italy, in the sense that, you know, first you get the, the higher uh, rated issuers or, or, you know, the, I guess, fundamentally very strong issuers that go out and test the market and, and end up paying you know, a, a premium to, to finance relative to their peers in, in other countries. Uh, but then as those deals settle, you know, investors move on to the next one and then they have a, a relative value argument uh, when they talk to the decision makers within their firms. Uh, and I think having the confluence of both the sovereign creating a curve, uh, which is obviously happening simultaneously, um, as well as, as the banks, uh, you know, through, through secured issuance, covered bonds, and, and highly rated corporates, it, it just creates this ecosystem that becomes very investable. So I, I would say from, from generically across the investor uh, sort of universe, obviously they're doing their work. They look at each credit on a fundamental basis in isolation, but I think all of Greece is, is very investable, and it's really just about you know, getting that price and timing right, uh, which is very different from a year ago when you know, things felt extremely challenging. So I think there's been huge movement, and I wouldn't be surprised if there's more sort of capital inflows into people looking to invest in Greece. Right. So, so we've moved from whether to invest or not to just a pricing issue. Yes. Okay, that's uh, very positive. And and if if we go to to the software now, um, uh, guy, you you worked on the uh, um, recent exchange of the PSI bond. Um, what will this signify uh, uh, for the uh, international investors and and for uh, how these these bonds will will perform in in, in the future? Yes, yeah, sure. The, the Greek bonds. We, we, we had the honor to, I guess, execute the recent uh, PSI exchange for the Hellenic Republic. I think that was a, um, a cornerstone in regards to uh, the Hellenic coming back on a more regular, frequent basis to the market. Um, 
I think maybe before we talk about the PSI and what that means, I think the precursor to that was obviously the new five-year deal done in the summer. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a critical uh, element to, I guess, bringing the, the sovereign back on a more frequent basis because that showed to the market or showed the market that they have access. The transaction was very well subscribed. But what it did as well is it, it, it started to, at least in the front end of the PSI curve, the normalization. And that's really what, I guess, the PDMA has always set out to ultimately normalize the yield curve such that it can come back more frequently and more flexibly in regards to uh, tenors. I guess the, the obvious next step from that uh, five-year deal, which certainly pulled in the front end of the PSI, was to address the PSI curve in itself. As you all know, that's obviously a legacy from 2012. Um, it has uh, very lim it had very limited um, liquidity. Uh, it was difficult to trade, uh, and therefore you saw as well a call it abnormal. Um, yield curve for a call it more frequent issuer, meaning that it was uh, very flat uh, throughout the curve. There were jumps in specific maturities, but also it was inverted, which obviously uh, is something that is, uh, I guess, a reflection of the liquidity of that instrument. So the, the goal that uh, the PDMA set out was to uh, tackle that legacy curve to uh, basically um, you know, set markets for a more frequent access. Um, so by consolidating uh, these PSIs into five benchmarks, not only have they set themselves up for um, a, more liquid, a more liquid curve, a more efficient curve, that also is an important reference for future issuances and future issuances which opens up to maybe longer tenors. Up until now it's been threes and fives. Now with, um, I guess, the curve as it is, and as you probably all know, has performed way, very well since the, the closure of the exchange. Um, that certainly then sets it up for, for different maturities. I think with it as well, um, with this transaction, and all, already actually in the lead up to the transaction, there was obviously a lot of noise around this potential mm -hmm. transaction. Um, we certainly, we certainly seen as well a rotation of investors. And I think that was as well an important point from the PDMA perspective to um, you know, rotate out, call it the more event-driven mm -hmm. investors into what we call the more um, sticky and, 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 and often for an issuer um, reliable investor base, call it the asset managers. And we saw that in the run-up to the trade. So there was certainly a lot of trading of uh, event-driven accounts, trading out, taking profits, and more real money asset managers coming in. That has continued. Um, that has continued, and that, I think, again, is a, a, a sign that the transaction uh, has achieved its objectives um, and also has um, you know, set the PDMA up for future issuances. Uh, maybe just to, to add to, to what Guy said, you know, the, uh, you know, we, like, like uh, Guy, have been fortunate enough to see a lot of Greek transactions now over the last two years, and the investor rotation point is, is really extraordinary. You know, when you go through the books on deals done two years ago and the most recent deals, you know, frankly, two years ago it was mainly distressed-type investors who were the top allocations, you know, and then went by hedge funds you know, roughly a year ago, and most recently 
it's pretty much all, all real money. So that normalization is, is very strong. Right. Philip, what, what, what do you think uh, uh, in terms of investors, uh, uh, types of investors, and, and, and uh, how uh, would the Greek sovereign debt compare to other European sovereigns? I'd, I'd really like to echo the comments of my colleagues, really. I think the, um, you know, the backdrop to the success of the two transactions we've seen for Greece, Greek government bonds in 2017, um, both of which we were happy to have been involved with, is, I think, the backdrop to a, a, coming to an end of QE. We're coming to, uh, you know, interest rates have been at extremely, um, well, bottom cycle levels within Europe, and we will probably see rates rise from here. You know, if we look at the performance of uh, Euro government bond indices, both last year and this year, Greece has actually been the outperformer. I think last year we saw uh, core markets return about 3%, uh, Greece returned just over 7%. Um, you know, this year we've seen most core markets, with the exception of France, who, who saw a strong recovery after the uh, election result, but we saw the other core markets return something like 1%, and, and Greece has returned a spectacular 17% this year which for American investors, if we also consider that the euro has appreciated by some 13% versus the dollar, is a truly spectacular performance, I think, uh, judged against any asset mm -hmm. class. Um, you know, and I think the investors take confidence of, of the lessons of the other uh, ESM, EFSF program countries. You know, the recovery of Ireland has been quite spectacular, but is now really quite a long way behind us, as, as Ireland is now well established among soft core countries in Europe. And I think in Portugal, we have also seen fairly spectacular performance from a small market. Um, you know, Portuguese bonds have also returned double-digit returns this year. And I think as we look forward to 2018, uh, when rates are forecast to rise more sharply, we will probably see negative returns from core markets. But again, I think there's room for further spread compression of Greece versus Germany. And, you know, I think... We haven't yet seen the core European asset managers and pension funds embrace peripheral markets. We mm. still haven't really seen that in, in, in countries like Spain and Italy. I think, uh, you know, I'm always reminded of the, um, you know, the view of the Spanish Treasury, which is that, you know, re real money is as real money does. And I think the hedge funds, the hedge fund community has done extremely well out of... Uh, the recovery in Greek government bond markets. And I think they've been extremely loyal to the Greek government bond market uh, really since the crisis. They, they are the guys who have been there and done the heavy lifting. But you know, the, the exchange that Guy talked about was, was, was really spectacular just in terms of showing us the diversification of the holdings of, of Greek government bonds. We had 17,000 instructions uh, from investors in, into that exchange out of the 20 PSI bonds in, into the five new benchmarks. I think 13,000 of those instructions came from investors who held less than $100,000 of debt. And it was remarkable to see how many of those instructions came from custodians in France and Germany. So it is very interesting, I think, that uh, you know, the populations of France and Germany have a lot of confidence in the further recovery of Greece, and, and they've done very well by their investments there. Um, but I think the, you know, the 
For the market to move forward, we would like to see, as, as we get out of the program, we'd like to see restrictions on Greek investors to hold Greek bonds lifted a little bit. I think that would be helpful. Um, but we continue to see the transition that Guy and uh, Henrik have spoken about um, as, as real money, long-term investors start to, start to re-engage. But you know, I think the investor composition of Greek government bonds is really not so very dissimilar what we've seen in Spain and in Portugal a couple of years ago, and I think we'll continue, as my colleagues have said, to see that, um, you know, to see Greek debt be more widely held among uh, a, a broad array of European institutional investors. Right. Yes. And uh, Mr. Kerastais, in, in, in this climate and, and positive uh, uh, results so far, what do you think are the, the key factors for intraload or other uh, uh, corporate issuers for, uh, um, uh, for, for the next year? Is it building uh, um, investor relations? Is it the jurisdictional risk and how that is now perceived? A combination of those? Uh, um. <coughs> I think, I think it's a combination of all. So you have issues there that, that uh, are doing very well. You have uh, fund managers that have made uh, um, significant profits from uh, the Greek bonds or the Greek company bonds. This is always helpful because it builds on, on previous success. You've got the issues coming back to the markets with a story that has been tested. Uh, and this builds the confidence. And, and I think that, that both the sovereign bonds as well as, as, as corporate bonds are seeing uh, um, a change in, in, in the portfolio of the investors. So you go from the hedge funds of, of this world to the, to the Black Rocks and, and the fidelities of this world, which is always a very positive signal. So it means that, that uh, uh, confidence is, is coming back for the issuers. Um, you have to be there consistently. You have to spend the time with your IR and your, and your dead people. You have to do your presentations. You have to deliver the story. You have to deliver the results against the story. And it's a build-up. So, you know, three, four years ago, uh, the story was completely different. Greece was, I think, significantly different than it is today. We're not out of uh, uh, the rough sea yet, but, but uh, there is clear... Uh, progress, and I think that the corporates that are consistently out there issuing and delivering against promises and results uh, are going to see a better future in the years to come. Right, so it's Sinepia uh, again and again, consistency. And, and Vasily, as you said, there are regulatory requirements that will need new issuances of, uh, uh, um, from, from the Greek banks. Um, again, what, what does this mean for the banks? Is it a question of funding cost? Is it uh, uh, um, tapping the markets? Exactly. It is a much more complex uh, environment of objectives that you have to meet when you will be eventually exiting ALA and becoming a normal European bank. There you will have to meet uh, the LSA ratios, the mm -hmm. NSFR ratios, the MRLA mm -hmm. ratios. All this means a higher cost compared to the one that we are experiencing even from the ELA or uh, the other short-term uh, uh, 
funding uh, platforms. Nevertheless, what has been achieved through the GGB curve and this massive tightening is an encouraging step of what is going to be eventually the actual cost. The second part is again to what we have said, to how you communicate to the investors your progress. And progress means four pillars, as we have said them uh, from the beginning when we started uh, talking with credit investors, mm -hmm. which was the divestment plan of the bank, the disengagement of the euro system funding, the MP management, and the domestic operational profitability. As this will be improving, we will have also clarity on terms of what's going to be the FRS 9 impact and the stressed uh, test of 2018 uh, mm -hmm. results, that I'm convinced that we will meet a much better environment to issue even unsecured and subordinated uh, debt. But definitely these are bullets that we use them from uh, our arsenal at a period where still the income of the banks hasn't really started yes. increasing at the rhythms we were expecting. So we should be very conservative and very prudent to how you were proceeding to that. Mm -hmm. And, and the, the four pillars you mentioned, is that four pillars without any uh, um, uh, categorization or would the, the MP management, which has been discussed so much and, and with such intensity, uh, uh, be more important than others? Or no, I think that uh, the Greek banks definitely will have a lot of personnel. So um, uh, definitely we can manage to run parallel strategies and meeting our uh, targets. And all these ones, let's say the one assists the other one, uh, and especially the investors to understand where they're standing and what is the credit. So if you are improving your uh, profitability, that means that you have higher income. If you are uh, managing your MPE issue, that means that your asset quality is improving. So believable instruments are not that much in uh, stress uh, yes. at the analysis. The investment plans also are providing you cheaper uh, cost of funding, although you're losing some income. So it is a whole four-pillar uh, strategy that you follow it in parallel. Sometimes you're going better at the one or the other, but at the end, uh, the result mm -hmm. is what it counts. Mm -hmm. um, and and to, to, to our bankers, uh, we discussed in, in, in the panels before um, um, that Greece is about to, uh, to exit the third economic adjustment program uh, in, in uh, uh, the summer, and whether that will be a clean exit or something else. How, how again, do you think that this will impact uh, um, investors' appetite for sovereign and, and, and corporate uh, uh, bank debt uh, in, in, in general? Let me maybe start. Um, yeah, obviously 2018 is a uh, very important year for the Republic, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of discussions around that. Um, I think just kind of diverting back to the PSI uh, transaction and, and the, the part, I think, that strategic move or the, the moves in the, in the capital markets and the timing around that is actually or potentially an important part around, uh, you know, come August uh, of uh, mm -hmm. 2018. Um, clearly, what by, by doing these transactions this year, um, I think it has set up the Republic uh, for certainly coming back to the market uh, next year 
there's uh, no kind of delay on that front. So I think timing around these, these transactions will, is important. Now, um, clearly the, the, the Republic is going through their reforms. There's, there's all kinds of things you know, they, they still need to accomplish. But at least from a market standpoint, um, the, 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 the key question is obviously going to be how are they going to fund themselves uh, going forward? Um, obviously, of the uh, aid they have received, they still have unused um, capacity. That will certainly, uh, you know, help that. But I think demonstrating to the market, again, back to the point of being more frequent to the market, that the market is actually helping them to potentially exit mm -hmm. on a clean basis, I think that could be an important factor when it comes to the decision around that. Obviously, there's still a lot of things that need to be done, but I think that's a contribution from the market perspective that it can show or can demonstrate that you know, the, the, the investors are behind them, that they can provide the funding. So um, I think that's going to be key going forward as soon as you know, next quarter. I think, uh, I think that's a, actually a great summary of, of the sovereign story. And I, I think I'd just add that you know, for, from an investor point of view, you, you've had a situation now where you know, essentially you know, it, w it was risky but easy to invest in, in Greek debt across uh, all the credit spectrum because uh, you know, there, there was a correlation of, of everything together, basically. And you know, if Greece followed the same pattern as the other peripheral European countries, then everything would trade up as, as we've heard the spectacular performance. I think now it goes down into the details. And I think uh, I liked what you said, Antonius, about delivery and consistency because I think that goes for, for the sovereign as well. Clearly, you know, the exit is not going to be painless and there's a lot of details that needs to be worked out. And I think the, the main thing that investors will be looking for from, from all Greek entities is communication and, and now delivery of the details. So, um, you know, it goes into, you know, how exactly is the exit going to happen? You know, are the reforms carried through? Um, you know, do companies now grow their, their cash flow and uh, allow people to invest? You know, those are the, the harder things to, to invest in. But I think that the preconditions are there, and now it's down to the individual issuer to, to make sure that they, you know, access the, the capital markets consistently. Yeah, I, I think um, investors didn't, can take comfort that the third review has been completed very quickly. So there, there is no great uh, extended public uh, disagreement, really, between the Troika and the, uh, and the Greek authorities. I think uh, you know, the fact that the, the consensus that there is within Europe now that Greece is ready for a clean exit, I, I think, uh, is, is very comforting. I, I think there are some critical uh, things to come in 2018. We, we've got the long-discussed debt forgiveness. Uh, you know, this is something that the new German government is going to have to address, and, and that will be very interesting. But I think investors also recognize that, um, yeah, the private sector has done a lot uh, in, in terms of uh, contributing towards debt sustainability, and, and now perhaps it's the turn of the official sector. But I think private sector investors in the government bonds take great comfort from knowing that um, you know, of the 180% debt to GDP, only 30% is with the private sector. Mm. So uh, you know, there, there's, people perceive that that significantly reduces the risk to, to private sector investors going forward. I think people also think in terms of debt sustainability as, you know, is, it, is it a debt to GDP calculation or a debt service cost to GDP calculation? And you know, we, we, having 
so much of its, of its external debt is um, lending from the official sector. You know, Greece is borrowing with a, a double-A financing rate. And I think we, we heard from ESM this morning that the short-term measures have been completed. So I think ESM has done a lot to reduce mm -hmm. Greece's uh, interest rate risk exposure going forward. So I, I think investors, investors generally feel that the mood within Europe is now transitioning with the change of government in Germany, the change of government in France. We're moving towards a focus, from a focus on austerity and risk reduction, maybe to a focus of risk sharing a little bit more. I think it's very interesting that um, uh, Jerome Dijsselbloem, as the leader of the president of the Eurogroup of, of finance ministers, has been replaced by Mario Centino, the socialist finance minister of Portugal. Uh, you know, I think this is very good at sending a signal of support from core Europe towards the periphery. And I, I, I think there is a consensus across Europe now that um, you know, people want to see Greece remain within the single market, so there has to be further room for spread compression. I think when we, when we started to talk about the PSI consolidation trade, 10-year Greece was trading 500 over Germany. I think 10-year Greece today is about 415 over Germany. And I think Greece could easily tighten 100 basis points more readily than any other country within Europe. So I, you know, and I, I think the other point to mention that um, Glenn Costello mentioned this morning was that you know, the preparation has been uh, very well done. Greece has got an extremely limited borrowing requirement going forward from a, from a sovereign perspective. It's extremely manageable, and I, I'm sure we're going to see their transactions um, oversubscribed. Maybe just uh, to add to that, I guess, <clears throat> when we look at it on a, a relative value, I guess the other country to mention is obviously Portugal. They're 10 years at, I think, like just over 1.5%. So there's still, I guess, from that perspective, people like to draw parallels with, with Portugal. There is still a lot of upside. Obviously, there'll be road bumps uh, or speed bumps, as we always have. But just maybe one anecdotal evidence that uh, currently I think investors have quite a bit of confidence in the Republic and that is um, when we did the, 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 the PSI exchange, we exchanged the PSIs that are covered by the co-financing agreement back from the restructuring in 2012. The new securities are outside of that. Um, clearly investors, um, you know, when you do these kind of transactions, focus on it. Was it a big concern from the international community? No. So I think that's another kind of anecdotal evidence that um, they do not see this kind of all unraveling and it was just one big bubble and will end up into the, the dark days uh, around the, the Greek debt. So I think that's just another piece of evidence of where international uh, bondholders stand in regards to Greece. Great, thank you. So all of these are very positive messages for Greek debt. Do, do we have any questions from the audience? Nothing? Okay. Um, in, in, in that case, um, thank you very much. Uh, we have one. I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm Robert Tip with uh, PGIM. 
I just one question about the restructuring for anybody. Um, you know, unlike the uh, recent five-year issue that was both 144A and Reg S, so that both U.S. investors and foreign investors could participate, uh, although uh, there are a significant amount of U.S. investors uh, that have supported Greece in, in the PSI bonds, they were not, uh, my understanding, they were not eligible to participate in the swap. Uh, so they are, uh, the, those issuers are kind of marooned in the uh, PSI bonds, uh, only a tiny fraction of which are, are left outstanding. It's a significant amount, but a small fraction, and the trading in those is uh, <clears throat> quite impaired. So I'm curious if anyone has any idea why, why that was or what the future of those bonds may be. Guy, maybe? Yeah, sure. sure. Um, look, uh, I guess uh, the, the fact that uh, U.S. investors were excluded from the, or onshore, just to be clear, onshore investors were excluded is because, as you rightly say, there was not a 144A tranche. The reason why that was so is uh, really from, you know, it, it's, it's very specific tax, legal, or security law related. Um, without kind of, you know, going into the detail, um, it, it was related to when the original PSIs were issued that they were coming at a big original uh, issue discount, which has tax implications. Um, obviously, it's unfortunate that um, they could not be included. I think, you know, from the syndicate perspective and, and the PDMA perspective, there was a lot of effort to try and solve for that issue. Um, clearly, obviously, the 86% the plus take-up uh, evidence, despite uh, having to exclude the, the U.S. investors, it was a, a great success. In regards to, you know, what happens to these, uh, I guess, uh, investors that still, U.S. onshore investors that still hold the PSIs, um, you know, there's obviously, given the, given the performance of the, the new deal um, or the new, new tranches, I guess there's maybe, you know, always an opportunity of, um, you know, selling them in the secondary market and picking them up given they've seasoned uh, already now. We just echo that it, it was clearly very unfortunate that um, onshore U.S. could not participate, but that was the result of, you know, clear and, and extensive uh, tax advice. But, but you know, the performance that we spoke about in the GGB curve leading up to the um, the, the, the debt swap and, and since then has hopefully benefited everybody. Um, I don't know. We shall see what happens in 2018. But the um, you know, the documentation for the exchange did not preclude something happening in the future to, to help those guys. So anyway, let, let, let's wait and see. But in the meantime, it's clearly been very good for everybody that um, this transaction brought so much international focus and uh, optimism to, to the um, GGB curve overall, as, as Guy has said. Great. Um, anyone else? Right, so this concludes the panel uh, and this discussion. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you.